Hello, and welcome to Goop Tales. I'm Maria Calancini, the founder, writer, and narrator behind these original audio stories. Goop Tales is a storytelling podcast for children, created to ignite your imagination, broaden your horizons, and introduce you to different cultures and exotic animals, while also sparking important conversations about character traits. Today's in story, or today's story, was inspired by Maim. Thank you, Maim, for suggesting Negotiati. Negotiati, who loves to negotiate. To see the drawings that go with Negotiati and the Chattachak Market, and to download the coloring page that goes with this story, just visit gooptales.com forward slash episode one. Zero nine. Now, in the last episode of Goop Tales, we met Usum and Wastem, Goop twins who used and wasted many things, basically everything they found, and then they used things that they probably shouldn't. And while trying to grab a human boy named Tommy that visited Goop World, Usum and Wastem got sent to the Great Pacific Trash Patch where they met a sea turtle caught in all the trash. They helped the sea turtle escape and together they were able to escape the trash patch by building a raft and enlisting the help of some friendly seagulls to lift them out of danger. And soon they washed up on a beach in Goop World where they went to find Negotiati to tell her about their adventure. But Negotiati was negotiating for her life at the Chattachak Weekend Market. Keep listening to find out how she got there and how she's planning to get back to Goop World. Tales episode 109, Negotiati and the Chattachak Market. Negotiati was so very precise. She wasn't a fan of rolling the dice. She did enjoy being sociable as long as every aspect was negotiable. If ever she saw a chance to negotiate, if you were with her, you would have to wait. Chapter One Once upon a time, there was a very calculating little goop girl named Negotiati, who was known for her negotiating skills. She was also known for always wearing a little backpack that contained both an abacus and a calculator. No matter the circumstances, Negotiati liked to be prepared to negotiate. Once, during recess, she was busy calculating how many jelly beans she would have to give Playalina in order to get Playalina to give her three of her homemade chocolate chip 
cookies. I believe that one cookie is worth three jelly beans, said Negotiati. Three jelly beans? That doesn't seem fair. The jelly beans are so small, and the cookie is so much bigger, responded Playalina. Yes, that may be true, but the jelly beans are packed with intense flavor and will last much longer than a cookie, said Negotiati. Hmm, well, you do have a point there. Okay, it's a deal. Now can we play? said Playalina. Playalina was a good friend of Negotiati's because she wanted to play and not spend her time negotiating. She always gave in to negotiations pretty easily. Okay, it's a deal, and yes, we can play. Let me just calculate how many jelly beans I owe you for the cookies, said Negotiati. She pulled out her calculator, but the batteries had died, so she switched to her abacus. Three jelly beans per one cookie times three cookies, said Negotiati as she moved the beads on her abacus. Okay, that is nine jelly beans that I owe you, Negotiati announced. Playalina held out her hand and Negotiati filled them with precisely nine jelly beans. And the deal was done. This was how Negotiati operated, no matter where she was. Miss Wigglebutt often sighed inwardly when Negotiati raised her hand in class because she knew a negotiation would soon follow. Yes, Negotiati, said Miss Wigglebutt as she watched Negotiati's hand fly wildly about right after she assigned history reading homework. Um, Miss Wigglebutt? You said we had to read the next two chapters in our history book. Is that correct? Yes, Negotiati, that is correct, said Miss Wigglebutt. Well, I think we should only have to read the next chapter and not the next two chapters, said Negotiati. All the rest of the goops eagerly swiveled their heads towards Miss Wigglebutt awaiting her answer. Miss Wigglebutt sighed and said, And why is that, Negotiati? Because if we read the next chapter and then we come to class tomorrow, we will remember it very well. It is much easier to remember one chapter than two. It won't overwhelm us and then we can talk about it and you can explain it to us in the fabulous way that you do so that we can really understand it. I know you'd like to say that too much of anything is the beginning of a mess. So let's not make it too much reading. What do you say, Miss Wigglebutt? Miss Wigglebutt didn't know whether to be annoyed or laugh out loud. She smiled and said, well, we don't want a mess. One chapter it is. And the rest of the goops cheered and looked at Negotiati in admiration. Bob Pothesis was in awe of Negotiati's negotiation skills 
and he was determined to learn from her. So he made sure to hang out with her as often as he could. Hey, Negotiati, want to come to the science lab with me? And I'll show you how to create a rainstorm in a glass, asked Bob Pothesis one day after school. That sounds great. I want to see a storm in a glass. Sign me up, laughed Negotiati. The two of them went off to the science lab, where Bob Pothesis pulled out everything he needed for his experiment. A tall glass, water, food coloring, a spoon, and a jar of shaving cream. Bob Pothesis was very serious about his experiments, and he made sure everything was precisely lined up before he began. Then he filled the cup with water and squirted out a small layer of shaving cream over the top. The shaving cream makes the clouds, said Bob Pothesis. Oh, I think we should put on more shaving cream and have even bigger clouds, said Negotiati. No, we need to experiment with just a little at first so we can see how long it takes the rain to get through the clouds, said Bob Pothesis in a serious tone. Negotiati knew she wouldn't win this negotiation with Bob Pothesis. He was very exact when it came to his science experiments. Before she even thought about it, Negotiati picked up the bottle of shaving cream and pointed it straight into the glass to squirt more in. But Bob Pothesis wasn't having it. He pointed the shaving cream back towards Negotiati and it squirted out all over her, the entire rest of the bottle. Bob Pothesis stared at a giant blob of shaving cream sitting in front of him. It didn't move. Aha, okay, you can come out now, Negotiati, he said as he reached his hand into the shaving cream. But there was nothing there. Bob Pothesis felt around again and again until the entire blob of shaving cream was broken down to a white puddle and the only sign of negotiati was a single red jelly bean that had fallen from her backpack. Chapter 2 Negotiati found herself underwater, and as she wiped the shaving cream from her eyes, she saw a snapping turtle headed straight for her. Turning away from the turtle, Negotiati swam away as quickly as she could until she bumped into a glass wall. She was in a holding tank for turtles. She reached her arms up, just barely able to touch the top of the glass tank. And then, just in the nick of time, she hoisted herself up as the snapping turtle snapped at her backpack. Throwing herself over the edge of the tank, Negotiati landed in a large bowl of soft rice. Oh, what's this in my rice? said a man's voice. I wanted shrimp. That was all it took for Negotiati to move out of the rice bowl 
and away from the hungry man. She got up and ran as quickly as she could. Everywhere she went, she saw hundreds of human feet. Humans were all over the place, speaking all sorts of languages she had never heard before. This was most definitely not Goop World. The humans moved very quickly, and Negotiati had to duck and dodge in order not to get stepped on. All of a sudden, she felt herself being grabbed by her backpack and dragged into a corner. Then everything was still. Are you trying to get yourself trampled? said a voice behind her. Negotiati turned around to see a black and white cat with green eyes staring right at her. You're a cat, said a stunned Negotiati. Yes, I'm a cat. I've always been a cat. And you are a... said the cat who seemed slightly annoyed. I'm a goop. And my name is Negotiati, said Negotiati with pride in her voice. I see. Well, my name is Meow, said the cat. Negotiati burst out laughing. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Like, meow, she said. Meow scrunched his forehead and said, meow, like meow means cat in Thai. And we are in Thailand, said meow. We are? asked a very impressed Negotiati. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are in the Chattachak Market, the largest weekend market in the world, said Mao. No wonder there are so many humans here, said Negotiati. Exactly. You could get yourself trampled here if you don't know what you are doing. Fortunately, I was here to save you, said Mao. Yes, fortunately you were. And now, perhaps I can return the favor, said Negotiati. And how would you do that? Inquired Meow. Well, we are at a market, and I'm a master negotiator, said Negotiati, as she pulled out her little abacus. Meow let out a huge guffaw. <laughs> negotiate. Why would I negotiate? I know this market inside and out. I don't negotiate. I just take what I need. I'm a cat of Chattachak. At that exact moment, a shopkeeper stuck out a broom towards Meow and said, Shoo! Get out of here! Be gone, you dirty cat! Meow! Hissed back at him and then grabbed Negotiati by her backpack and slunk down a narrow passageway. Finally, Meow came to a pile of colorful rugs in the back of a rug shop. He plopped down on a rug and released Negotiati. Then he explained to her that there were lots of shopkeepers who were always after the cats of Chattachak. They thought the cats were dirty and scared away the customers. One or two of them were kind to the cats, but most didn't want them around. 
we aren't truly appreciated. We keep this market free of mice and rats. These shopkeepers are too uppity. They look down on us. I'm exhausted. It's been a busy morning saving you and all, sighed Meow, as he settled into one of the rugs. Negotiati rolled her eyes. She thought to herself how she would have been just fine on her own, but she didn't speak it aloud. Since Meow was settling into a catnap, Negotiati decided to go off on her own and check out the market. She quietly stepped away from Mal and slid back down the little alleyway. Seconds later, she was in the full bustling market with feet and shopping bags flying by her. She pressed herself against a stall as a bag of coconuts whizzed by, almost hitting her in the face. Negotiati quickly learned to stay pressed against the walls and move from stall to stall, unseen. The merchants were too busy negotiating with their customers to notice Negotiati. She was pressed against a stall of trinkets, including yo-yos, keychains, and small figurines of cartoon characters, among an assortment of other toys. When she heard a woman say, All right, all right. You can select one toy. What would you like? There was silence for a long moment. So Negotiati peered upwards to see what was happening. A young girl with two pigtails, no more than seven, was pointing down at Negotiati. I want that, Mommy. And I want it now. Get it for me, said the girl in a demanding tone. Psst. Did you know we're going to launch our first Goop Tales book very soon? Visit gooptales.com forward slash book to find out more. It has the first three Goop Tales ever written, illustrated in full color, so you can see what Goop World looks like. If you want to be notified of an exclusive discount, just go to gooptales.com forward slash book. Chapter 3 Negotiati stared up at the little girl, slowly shaking her head back and forth, and mouthing the word, no, trying to silence her. The shopkeeper peered over the edge of his stall, trying to see what the little girl was pointing at. The girl's mother turned her head as well. Negotiati had to think fast. Before the shopkeeper or the little girl's mother spotted her, she pulled out her abacus and dropped it on the ground. And then she quickly slid beneath the curtain that separated the stalls and made her way into a stall full of beautiful blue and white china. Is that what you want, darling? Said the girl's mother as she reached for the tiny abacus that Negotiati had left behind. It's a tiny abacus. The shopkeeper looked at it strangely. 
He knew he didn't carry such an item, but he was more than willing to sell it. Reaching for the abacus, he held it up and said, Good price for this. The little girl snatched it from his hand and said, It isn't yours to sell. I saw the little creature drop it. The shopkeeper just scowled at her and waved her away. The little girl grabbed her mother's hand and said, I saw a tiny creature and I want it. And then she led her mother to the stall next door, full of blue and white china. May I help you? said the shopkeeper. The little girl stared at the shopkeeper and said, I'd like to look at your china in a demanding tone. The china was all neatly arranged on shelves and out of reach of the little girl. Which china specifically? asked the shopkeeper. All of them, until I find it, said the little girl. At this point, the little girl's mother was growing concerned and a bit embarrassed over her daughter's behavior. Toddy, that is enough. Perhaps you were imagining things, said her mother. Toddy glared indignantly at her mother. She was frustrated beyond measure. Sometimes human adults just couldn't see or understand the same things that human children saw. In this particular moment, Toddy was very cross with her mother. She can look, interrupted the shopkeeper as she motioned to Tati to enter. Tati's mother took a step back for a minute, and then she said, Take a look, Tati. I will be right over here looking at these rugs, as she indicated the rug stall across from the china stall. Tati was pleased with herself. She almost always got her way. Her mother turned her attention to the rugs across the way, and Tati made her way into the china stall. Negotiati had quietly climbed up a tower of neatly stacked blue and white bowls while all the discussion was going on. And before Tati turned in the direction of the china, Negotiati managed to slip inside the top bowl on a very large stack and disappear. The stall owner was very curious to see what Tati would find. She tended to believe children and if there was some magical creature hiding in her shop, she wanted to know about it. Tati slid her hand into her pocket and felt Negotiati's little abacus. This could come in handy, she thought. Then she began her search. There were hundreds of pieces of blue and white china in this stall, but Tati was determined. She started with the first stack of bowls she saw and took out each bowl looked inside and restacked the bowls. Carefully and methodically, Toddy worked her way through row after row of blue and white china. Sometimes she would find a large vase and she would turn it towards the sunlight so she could see deep inside, but she didn't see Negotiati. Negotiati was patiently waiting in her hiding place, hoping that Toddy would not have the endurance to keep on looking. She was wrong. Toddy's mother was deep in her own negotiation with the rug vendor 
and didn't seem bothered by the time that Tati was staying in the shopkeeper's china stall. The woman who owned the china stall was distracted by a group of tourists eager to buy a set of china to ship home to New York City. It was at this exact moment, when no one else was paying attention, that Tati came upon the stack of blue and white bowls in which Negotiati was hiding. She stood up on a stool and peered inside the bowls. And there, at the bottom, she saw Negotiati covering her head and crouching as if she were trying to hide from peering eyes. Chapter Four. Tati's eyes widened. She was growing tired and had been close to giving up. But now her little creature was sitting in front of her, trapped in a china bowl. She quickly looked around and saw that no one else was paying attention. And then she reached her hand in the bowl. You're mine, she said as she reached for Negotiati. Then she scooped her up. Behind the rug stall, Meow had just woken up from his nap and looked around to see that Negotiati had left. He shook his head in annoyance, and then he heard voices coming from inside the rug stall. Oh, this is lovely. I think I'll take this one. Then I must fetch my daughter who is next door at the china stall. She seems to think there is some mysterious tiny creature hiding in the china, and she is going to find it, laughed Tati's mother. At this, Mao perked up his ears. He knew exactly what was happening. Quietly hopping to his feet, he slid into the back alley and made his way down to the china stall. As Mao slid in through the back, he saw Tati standing on a tool peering into her hand and talking. You're mine, whispered Tati. Now, wait just a minute. I'm not yours. I belong to myself, responded Negotiati. Well, I am bigger than you, and you belong to me now, said Tati in a triumphant voice. How dare you? So you think that anyone that is bigger than you could just scoop you up and capture you? said Negotiati in a very angry voice. Meow, stood silently listening. And at this last line, he inwardly cheered Negotiati. She's right, he thought. I'm tired of anyone bigger than me thinking they can own me. Maybe you have a point, said Tati, as she softened her voice a bit. But you can't survive this market alone. You need me, and I'm sure you want this back, she said as she held up Negotiati's little abacus. Negotiati reached out and grabbed it. She quickly moved three of the beads over to one side of the abacus and said, I would say we have about three minutes before the china shop owner comes back here. I can hear her wrapping up her sale, and we need to wrap up this negotiation. Negotiation? I don't think we're negotiating. 
I'm the bigger of the two of us, said Tati, switching back to her demanding voice. Negotiati looked around, and out of the corner of her eye, she saw Meow lurking in the shadows, watching them. She moved one of the beads on the abacus over to the right. Another minute gone. Two more before I'm rescued, said Negotiati in a confident tone. Rescued? Who is going to rescue you besides me? asked Tati. Time is ticking, said Negotiati as she looked at the abacus. Tati got a bit flustered. Negotiati seemed so confident that someone would rescue her. Then she heard the shopkeeper say, Let me go see if my little visitor is having success in finding her magical creature. Negotiati stared up at Tati, who was just about to put her in her pocket, when Meow leapt up and knocked Negotiati out of Tati's hand, made a huge hissing sound, and then grabbed Negotiati by her little backpack and disappeared into the market. Tati was so startled by meow that she fell off her stool and knocked over a stack of blue and white china bowls that came crashing down at the feet of the shopkeeper. Oh my, this probably wasn't a good idea, said the shopkeeper. Tati, what did you do? exclaimed her mother, who ran over to the china stall after hearing a huge crash. Tati scowled and stomped her foot. Nothing! I did nothing! It was that cat, she said. Then she pointed her finger in the direction that Meow had taken Negotiati, but there was no one there. Her mother looked at the shopkeeper and apologized while shaking her head. At this point, Meow had returned to the back of the carpet booth where he placed Negotiati down on a tiny remnant of carpet and said, I told you you would need my help. Now close your eyes, sit still, and imagine you're back home. Negotiati did just that, and within minutes, she was airborne on a tiny magic carpet flying above the Chattachak market, and then into the sky. She fell asleep as she floated across the night sky. And when she woke, she found herself back on her own living room carpet in Goop World. Looking down at the tiny flying carpet she was on, Negotiati grew very excited and ran out to find Bob Pothesis. But he was nowhere to be found. He was stuck in a wind tube in San Francisco. But that is a tale for another time. Okay, so that is it for today's story. Episode 109, Negotiati and the Chattachat Market. And if you loved this story, I would love it if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes because the reviews really inspire me, but more importantly, they help spread the word about Goop Tales for more listeners, which really inspires me. So you can just do that. You can find the link to do that by going to gooptales.com forward slash reviews. 
And if you want to leave me a voicemail, just go to gooptales.com and there's a little button and you can leave an actual voicemail for me, which I will answer. And I want to thank the people who in the last couple of weeks have left a voicemail. I love listening to them. So I want to thank Hugh, Ravena, Kai, Tay Benjamin, Heather, Aubrey, Rory, Eleanor, Violet, and Meredith for sending in your messages. I love listening to them and your ideas and your sweet little voices. So thank you for all those messages. And if you think of a new goop and you want to add him to my list of ever-growing goops, just make sure you leave me a voicemail and tell me all about him or her. And I will see you in the next Goop Tale. 